Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. Thank you guys so much for listening. Weird times right now, everything going on with coronavirus. It is the first interview that I have had to do, not in person, but over the internet. Um, The subject of this podcast actually is on coronavirus and how it affects the music industry. I'm joined with Mike Zemer, who's a longtime friend of mine. He's out in Texas and he's a concert promoter. So I thought it would be a very fitting episode to have him come on and talk about this with me. One thing I do want to say is I know there's been a lot of negative a lot of uncertainty and fear around this, and I really don't want to spread that. I wanted this to be a positive conversation and talk about some of the creative things that people can do during this time and maybe what happens when this ends and how good things can be. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope that it helps. Shoot me a message, let me know anyone else you'd like to hear from. This is a unique time where I can interview people that I normally wouldn't be able to sit down with in person in LA, so that could be cool. Uh, my Instagram is at Andrew underscore FTW. Shoot Mike a message and let him know if you like the episode. His Instagram is at Mike Zemer. And if you want to do me a massive favor, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to. It helps the podcast get discovered super well. With that said, let's get into it. Where are all my friends? Joined this week with Mike Zemer. And this is the first episode where it's not in person because of the given circumstance in the world right now. Kind of makes more sense to do these satellite. But that's kind of what this is all about. Um, Mike, I'm stoked to have you here. The, The topic that I wanted to get into with you is just talking about like how coronavirus has affected live music and just all sorts of touring, what it does to venues, all that. Normally with an episode, we would talk a little bit more about your come up story and all that. And I do kind of want to talk about that in the beginning, just to like let listeners know who we are and how we met and then kind of get into that. What do you think? Cool. Sounds good. So taking it back, I would say, what, 2010? Is that when we met? Right around there, I believe. (laughs) I remember it because we were both tour managing at the time. I was out with a band, Set It Off, and you were out with a band, I believe, Crown the Empire, yeah? Yep, correct. And I think that there was just this general friendship connection where we were both kind of business-minded, and I could tell that there was definitely some depth to your hustle and the things you paid attention to. And really, you weren't a tour manager. You were a friend helping friends out. Uh, You're a very longtime concert promoter, yeah? Yeah, um, I've been doing this since 2004 and, uh, I've seen a lot of bands get signed and then like do their first tour and break up right after that. So when, uh, when the guys in crown the empire got signed and got their first tour, I was like, these guys have worked way too hard to, to go on that first tour and break up. Like I hit up the manager and I was like, yo, Derek, like, let me go out with them. <laughs> I want to babysit and make sure. And like, I wanted to go on the road. It'd been a long time since I'd been on the road and I'd never done a tour like six weeks is how long that one was. I'd never done anything that long. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I think, (laughs) I think being a concert promoter and artist manager and um, many of the things that I do, like it just kind of prepared me to be that person that had the patience and the ability and like the organization to handle it. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Dude, it was so fun. And like on that line too, because tell me, like to say what you do in a line is really hard to do because you've been working in some capacity of music for so long and you've done so many different bits of it. So to say like just a promoter or just an artist manager, like it doesn't really cover it. So like, I mean, damn, what, tell me a little bit of your backstory and tell me just a little bit of it because I am fascinated by it. 
I mean, for me, like the best way to describe it is like a dude that tried to find a way to not have to pay to get to concerts that made a career out of it. Like I was in (laughs) high school and, um, my parents have always been pretty well off, but they've always taught me that if I want anything, I have to work for it. And so while I was in high school, I was working to buy a car and I wanted to go to all these concerts, but every concert that I would buy a ticket for was taking away from how soon I would get a car. And so (laughs) I started emailing, um, record labels, PR people, venues and i was like hey can i come interview this band can i do an album review and like i found a website um called utterpunk.com back then that would like let me do this and so he shared his connections and i started interviewing like i i interviewed um census fail seosin when anthony was originally in it um brand new like right as they started um mxpx like anyone at that period of time like early 2000s that was like kind of starting to blow up i got to interview them review their review their music and um get all these cds before they were out and then from there like bands just kind of asked me like hey can you help and i think that's where the idea of like being kind of like an everything guy in music came from is that like i was supposed to be managing this band but what they wanted was somebody to book them shows and and rent out a venue. So I, they wanted me to be a promoter, a booking agent, a manager. And then when it didn't really work out to get them on a label, they wanted me to assist in putting out their music. So technically I was like a label guy too. And all of this while still a senior in high school. So like <laughs> I didn't really pick a lane. I kind of like did everything. And then the lane that I was in kind of chose me because it was the one that was the most successful, like being a promoter. Yeah continuously putting on events was kind of like the steady income normally that uh that i needed and then like the label and management and even booking tours back then was kind of more of just like a passion project and that's the reason that like i was willing to like hop up and go on tour with a band or like kind of do anything music related because i remember like those early days of just like really wanting to be in the music industry and really just avoid having to pay to go to a show, but like still like work to be there. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it's kind and of, I mean, to, continue to be that way. Exactly. I mean, you've accomplished some pretty crazy things too. I mean, like, so what music festival, like that's a massive thing you created, like on a very big level, like again, like real quick, just give me a couple of the highlights of the crazy things you've accomplished, because I, I feel like there's, I want to paint that picture of like the cool things you've been able to do now. <laughs> I mean, for me, like we, we had, so what, um, one year over three days of a weekend and it was like 20,000 people came out over that weekend and Jeez. we had used and taken back Sunday, which was a big full circle moment for me because that was my first club show ever. And getting them on that festival was crazy enough to me, but then we got bring me the horizon of mice and men, the story so far, double wears product, like all these bands, like as they were either peaking or like really up and coming like i think we paid neck deep like 250 bucks and it was like one of their first tours and knuckle puck was on that with them and like it was just like a perfect mix of artists and so that that was definitely one of the highlights um and to your credit i mean like the first time i was able to see will aaron play a live show was because of your festival like you've paid attention to all sorts of different genres and booked some artists first shows in all sorts of different lanes and been first on a lot of really cool things 
Yeah, that's been really crazy. I mean, G Easy is another one of them that we had on one of our festivals, and um, Ghostman, Puya, Lil Aaron. Uh, we did Big Chocolate. We booked Steve Aoki. <laughs> like, we're kind of all over the place, and just like booking stuff that we think is cool. And like, we never wanted to really. I mean, basically, we had the same model as Warp Tour, where it's very much like pop punk and metal and rock. But like, we never really wanted to stick to some kind of script like if we wanted to put something in that didn't necessarily make make sense like we did it i remember booking riffraff and having having yes. the stories or hearing the stories of like him hanging out with the chiotos guys in their green room because we didn't give riffraff a green room and they were like like you can come <laughs> hang out in ours and like it just i don't know all those crazy things um amazing yeah i mean well, the only other like real big highlight that stands out to me was when i was 20 years old um I got interviewed for Business Week for promoting concerts and using social media. And that was the first time I like ever heard the term being an influencer. And basically the story ended up being a cover story and talked about how um, if I told fans at music festivals and shows to, to support a certain brand that they would listen and that I knew how to market and all this stuff. And so that led to me actually dropping out of college and starting a side marketing business that kept me afloat and still keeps me afloat to this day um, through the ups and downs of music, being able to work with large companies and doing social media marketing, digital strategy, uh, ads, like all kinds of things like that. So that was like, that was very crazy. Like I remember sitting in my dorm room listening to Panic at the Disco and it was like still demo, like demo Panic at the Disco before the album came out. And that that song where he's like, stop stalling, make a name for yourself. I was like, that's it right there. He just told me I'm dropping out of school. And like, I never went back to class after that. Like I got my first apartment on my own and just like, I went with it. <laughs> Damn. No, I love that. And like that, that really does say it because I wanted to paint that picture of for this discussion, talking about what we're talking about. I just felt like you're the perfect person to talk to because you've done it all. You've seen every lane, every side of music. You've been the one at like the super small show. You've been the one booking the giant festival. Like you've seen it on every level. You've worked with artists on every level. So I think that this will be a really interesting, insightful conversation to have with you. Absolutely. So yeah, and on that, really what I was thinking here is we have seen everything on social media and the news, like everything is coronavirus. That's all people are talking about. And I think both you and I, like, we don't need to pretend like we're the CDC. We don't need to pretend like we're economists. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. That information is out there. Plenty of people are talking about that. But I do think it's interesting to have a discussion on what this specifically does to music live music, promoters, like what this looks like for the scope of everyone involved in music. You know, like we have our friends who are crew for tour. Obviously they're stuck at home right now. We have artists stuck at home. There's some really interesting lanes. I see that side, but I haven't really talked to a promoter yet. I don't really know what other promoters are talking to. I don't know what venues are feeling. So I wanted to kind of hear from you and get your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, like it's kind of a, a one thing that you can't really sugarcoat. Like everybody's hurting right now. Um, and not to downplay the hurt and, uh, effect on every other industry in the world, but the, the gig 
people and the venues and the entertainment promoters and the the artists I, are are going to be some of the uh, most affected by this because so many of them don't have all the benefits of a regular job. Like there's there's a a difficulty in finding a way to get unemployment when you're a touring musician. There's a difficulty in um, doing the same thing as a as a promoter. And and a lot of us are hard headed and maybe don't necessarily want to go that route in the first place. Um, but this whole industry is the first one that was limited and will be the last one to return to some sense of normalcy, which I think um, is going to take a few years because you have an entire summer. This is this to me was one of the most promising years in music that I'd seen in a long time. And I I'd talked about it so many times just on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all these posts that I was doing in December, January, February about, man, Rage Against the Machines playing again. Uh, My Chemical Romance is playing again. These mega tours are going out. Like it felt like 2020 was going to be the year that like rock was back on top. And um, a lot of people may not understand or agree with that statement, but as a, as a concert promoter and someone fully in the music scene, it has felt like a lot of emphasis has been put on electronic music and hip hop and pop music to where it took a new green day record, a new fallout boy record, a new Weezer record, um, these mega tours getting put together, my chemical romance coming back, like all of that. And of course an election year with rage against the machine, like to really bring back rock music to where like it hasn't been in a while. Um, and I know like for me, I was getting hit up by so many more like local bands to do shows and like a lot of regional and like national smaller bands about like helping them out or whatever it was. Like it just really was feeling like 2020 was going to be this special year. And obviously we're only in March. There's a lot of room, like things can turn around, but I think the biggest obstacle is going to be figuring out how to navigate it. Once we have the green light to do events, to do concerts, to do festivals, like looking at some of the reschedules for festivals, there's like 15 festivals all happening at the same time over weekends because they've been moved from the spring to the fall. And um, there's just a lot of choices people have to make. And then at that point, it's like, do these people have money? Have they been getting unemployment? Has their job been paying them to work from home? Are they able to purchase concert tickets? Are they able to um, travel to these festivals? Are there still limitations on travel? There's so many things that are that are unknown and uncertain. Whereas like, if you're in the restaurant industry and you've been able to weather the storm, then the same day that the ban is lifted, you open for business. You start making money. The touring exactly. world doesn't work like that. If tomorrow, and people haven't forgotten how to eat, or you know, it's such yeah. a it's such a thing that they need on a daily basis that it just comes back that much faster. Yeah, and if you're if you're a venue and you get say like right now it's uh, tomorrow is April first, so say May first you're able to open your doors again. Well, right now, everyone's May calendar is empty. Everything's been moved. So you have the challenge of being able to be open, but are you just a bar for a couple months? Are you only booking local talent? Are you trying to throw parties? Like The music industry doesn't have the luxury of just reopening the second that everything is okay. Like You can't, you can't just tell these tours, like, okay, 
Um, everything went down quicker than we thought. So you're playing in the UK tomorrow. Like it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, okay. So you said that and I'm interested because I, you kind of made me think on a different line there because the other side that I was thinking about is even on the side of our friends that are touring crew, things like that. Right. So say, I don't know, say that the, say it's July, just throwing a, a month out there, say July everything feels normal. Every band is like, all right, cool. Let's get back to it. Then you have all these bands that had these concerts and these tours postponed and you only have so much crew even, you know, there's probably a lot of crew that will go on off cycle with one or two artists. And now if every artist tries to go back out at the same time, you might even have like a shortage on crew, which is a weird thing to think about. Yeah. And you have to think about all the people who at this point, there's so much uncertainty and they have bills and everything and their steady income is gone that they've gotten out of the touring world for the time being. And they've taken uh, some other job, like a side hustle or a nine to five that they can do from home or they're working call centers. And at what point does that job security that you have from getting a regular job? um, When are you willing to risk that to go back on the road when you have people on the TV telling you, well, this could be another cycle. So do you, right. do you quit that temporary job that you had to go back on the road, not knowing if it's going to come back? Like, a, like, okay, now it's winter and coronavirus is back. Like there's, there's just so yeah. many, so many uncertainties and it. it makes it very hard for the live music industry as a whole from, from every single person, whether you're, you know, the, the person at the box office or the, the loader or the stagehand, like, I think you're going to see a shortage of crew members. I think you're going to see um, a difficulty in hopping back on the road. Like these bands that were trucking along, they were doing good on streams. They'd planned all these tours. They got their visas. They got everything they need. Like now they've lived off of the money that they were going to spend on touring. Are they going to be able to tour again? Um, Yeah. And that's another tricky aspect of it. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to get too deep, you know, you and I are both pretty positive minded people who look for the positives and things and try to just work through hardships. And there's a lot of positives that we were talking about before we started this. I want to get into that. But while we're talking on the uncertainty and just in this chapter, um, curious for you directly, like being in Texas, doing your day to day life, where does this realistically affect you? Like what, what does this look like to you right now? I mean, for me, um, I have a team that I need to take care of. I have, uh, an office that we pay rent on. We have Mm -hmm. insurance that we can't afford to, um, cancel or pause because there could be some rewritten rules about what is covered with cancellation. And if we uh, cancel our insurance policy and there's some changes made to where they decide to offer support to people, we would be screwed. Um, We have uh, software that we use that does everything from um, creating holds with venues to sending offers to settling the show that we pay a monthly membership for. We have all sorts of things, uh, phone bills, stuff like that on top of our own personal expenses. So right now um, we're kind of in a, a hole of, you know, the whole, the beginning of the year and the end of last year was very good for us. And there's money in the bank, but like at what point 
do you go the route of trying to get a loan or trying to get assistance just to have that extra padding or protection in case this goes on longer or in case there is the oversaturation of touring and and it's it's more difficult um, to make money than it normally is. There's right for us our our biggest I think my biggest concern right now is that the venues that we work with won't make it through. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that because how many shows like when this like really hit the full pause moment? How many shows did you have lined up? We had, I mean, we had dozens. Like I, yeah. I spoke to um, my insurance company about lowering the number of estimated attendees for the year to try mm-hmm. to lower our rate. Um, I, I submitted for some assistance that required me as a company to disclose how much money we would normally make during this time period. And it blew my mind. Like we normally do like 60 to 70 shows just March, April, May. Damn. Um, and, and that, that's like our, our biggest thing right now is like the parties. Like we do the emo nights, we do the throwbacks. I was supposed to be basically touring the U S with the throwback party and getting paid from different venues to, host my event there on top of what we're already doing. And like everything just came uh, to a grinding hall. I think it was like a two page single spaced list of events that have either been canceled or rescheduled that I, I ended up submitting and like the amount of tickets alone is like somewhere between 20 and 30,000 tickets sold that we would have had. Um, and what do you, what do you say like with the venues? Cause obviously that has you putting shows in a lot of different rooms. So out of all those venues, what are those conversations like? I mean, all the venues, like I, like I said, I'm just worried about them trying to stay alive. Like at first it was, okay, we're going to shut our doors for a week and then two weeks and now like two months. Um, some of them don't have landlords that care. Um, mm. especially in the deep Ellum area, there's some, some real estate companies that have come in from out of town that have stopped really caring about the music scene and local business. And they're just there to make money. And if you can't pay your rent, that's too bad. Um, luckily I think a lot of the venues that we work with are in a really good position and they've, they've had a really good last couple of years, but, um, I don't know their personal finances. I don't know their business finances. I don't know if they're taking out loans. I just know that like, when this this uh lockdown essentially as it's called um Mm -hmm. is over our first our first goal is going to be to just throw as many parties or events or whatever the second they can open their doors and just hope that like that makes up for some of the lost time um but i definitely have seen historic venues across the country closing and in places just kind of like giving up. I mean, there, there's also the whole uh, different side of it that a lot of people don't consider is that this is a perfect excuse for failing businesses to just close their doors. Yo, if, you were already, right? if you were already struggling as a business, whether it's um, a restaurant or a venue or whatever, this is a perfect way to close out your business, have as little remaining debt and um, responsibility as possible because you can just tell a landlord, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to pay this. This crushed us. And that guy doesn't know your finances. And I know 
some of the restaurants in this area have already closed down. And I know that they weren't doing the business in the first place, but you're going to see a lot of that. Actually. And I think, I think some of these people were just tired of running venues anyway, but I'm hoping in my market that everyone is able to um, continue and that the venues that we have events planned for get to continue because if not, that opens up a whole nother issue of <laughs> even more limited space with, with venues to put shows at. No, for sure. All right. Well, I'm starting to get sad. We're talking about this too much. And we're talking about the uncertainty. And, right. I mean, it's crazy. Like my it paints daily, the picture. My daily and, conversations trying to explain the music industry to my mom too. <laughs> but like I said, you and I typically do have a very positive mindset and there were some positives that we were talking about out of this. So let's talk a little bit more on that side because I'm now curious like what you're doing to adapt and to work through this. We were talking about just how much is how much people can do online over like streaming shows like something that i was thinking about is like if you can weather this storm you said this earlier before we started recording this isn't a recession this is a pause this is our government this is like this is the world saying hey let's pause and then move on back to regular life yeah so it's not this like actual recession. And once this is good, we'll be back to it. So if bands can grind it out and stream every day or do all these things and, and really interact with their fans online in a way that they haven't before, I think you're going to have way more goodwill and way more online music discovery, which will then lead to more of a demand to see your favorite artist live as soon as you can. Definitely. And I think I think there's certain groups of artists as well that are going to be hit harder than others. Like I think the smaller acts that were going to go out and they knew that they were going to lose money on their tours, but had to grind it out. I think they're actually going to make more money sitting at home, doing live streams, building up a fan base, um, taking donations, doing whatever they're doing, than going on the road and losing money. I think the mid-level artists that were really on the come up that were about to get these big opportunities, those are the ones that are really going to get hurt. But you're seeing people like Code Orange just do these super creative things where it's going viral and they're getting a new fan base and people are people are listening to them that never listened. And you're seeing Metallica and Taylor Swift and like iHeartRadio, like all these places coming together and and performing, like all these big artists are performing online and it's raising money for other people. They're not using it for themselves. And I think that's right. incredible. And that's one of the really positive things that you're seeing. Um, you're seeing Spotify, who <laughs> technically was in the middle of pissing everybody off with their with their policies about songwriters, donating millions of dollars to help out the industry and, and the Grammys doing the same. And you're seeing a lot of people come together. And I think that's what's going to get everyone through it. But yeah. Um, it's it's definitely hard to adapt if you're not creative. And I think that you're seeing a lot of people be creative and that's very important because you can't just be one of a thousand bands that's going live and you're sitting in the studio and you're picking your nose and just talking about nothing. Like you have to have a plan. Um, yeah. And I think Code Orange doing their their performance in a venue with like full sound, full lighting, like it's just it was really cool to see. And I know that there's there's a couple venues in Dallas that are doing a similar thing where they're having people come in um, once or twice a week doing a full performance, broadcasting it, and then raising funds for that artist or a local charity. Um, I think things like that are really cool. And it's definitely going to have, um, it's going to be an advantage for these artists to have their name a little bit bigger when they're able to tour and be back on the road. Um, 
And you're seeing like right before all of this happened, you're seeing record highs in the money that companies like Live Nation and AEG are making. So you're you're seeing a very healthy and exciting concert market that again is just on pause. And I think once it's allowed to continue that everyone is going to be anxious to get out and to support. And even if you only have a few dollars, you're still going to go to an event. You're still going to go to a concert. You're going to go support that artist that you fell in love with through three months of quarantine where you were just listening to their live stream and want to finally meet them and see them live or, you know, whatever it is. I think that there is going to be um, a very big need and desire after this for live music. And I think it's always been one of those things that's brought people together, even when it's been a true recession or a true time of struggle for people. Concerts have always been the consistent. And I think that's what's kind of weird about right now is that this is the first time in my lifetime and a lot of people's lifetimes where you just can't have that. Like you can't get out of your house and go hang out with your friends and enjoy music. You have well, to do it through the internet. <laughs> it's so funny, right? Because you look at like the live music industry, you look at anything and like, you know, you talk about non-essential businesses being closed. Like it's the first non-essential <laughs> business because it's the most likely to spread and it just yeah. makes sense to close it. However, you think about like how stir crazy you go at home. And I think that as soon as people are able to go back to shows, there's going to be this feeling of like remembering being like, oh, this is a community. And like that feeling of just being with people at shows and how magical that is. And it's a pause, right? Like we've only paused this. There isn't this crazy recession. And I think once people are able to get back and remember that feeling, it'll just go so hard. Absolutely. And I think it's important to keep reiterating that because it it gets very depressing sitting inside your house listening to experts on the tv yeah mix up mix up an economic pause with the recession because yes the the economy didn't collapse we didn't have a bunch of failing businesses we didn't have places closing down like american airlines and all these companies cruise lines they weren't failing they were doing all-time highs all their stocks were up so much but they're being told for the sake of health and the stopping of this virus that they need to pause their business or find other methods like American airlines and, and all of the airlines actually with, you know, social distancing on flights and things like that, where, okay, you can still do this, but maybe one person per row or whatever it is. And um, it's very important to recognize the difference because it can get very depressing being locked up inside your house, feeling like you're going to finally come out to the world and the world's just going to have gone to shit it's not yeah. going to be like that. Like there, there's many ways that all these businesses are going to stay in business and, and life will return to some sort of normalcy at some point. It's just the first time I think in the history of our country that we decided to put people's health before the economy. And it can be scary seeing the stock market crash and all these numbers, but you also see spikes in, in rising um, stocks and just improvements and every day as like companies get some kind of loan or work a deal or two companies merge or whatever as they adapt. Um, yeah. yeah no, so it's important I, to definitely notice that. I know I really, really like what you say there about differentiating a recession and a pause because it is so different and this is such an obvious pause. Another thing um, that we were talking about that I was thinking as you were talking about artists streaming is uh, this is another cool piece that hasn't really happened before where 
with artists getting creative and doing these things, be it an online stream, talking to fans, whatever it is, I feel like it's a chance for a consumer or a possible new fan to discover artists, right? Like what if you don't know an artist, you've heard a name and then you see that they're doing, like they're streaming a set or something like that. Maybe you wouldn't have taken the time, but you don't have anything else to do and they're streaming. So I like that idea from the artist side of like, this is a chance to get discovered. And there's, there's so much that you can do if you think of it from the more value that you can add to the consumer, the more that you can remind people that there still is this incredible community and that this is going to come back and create these fun moments and all of these different things, you're creating so much goodwill with these people that when you come back like to go tour into their city, they'll remember that. Like that means a lot. Yeah. And and one of the interesting things that I noticed, and I was thinking about this the other day, is that like this moment in time has essentially taken us back to what I would consider is like the peak scene days when everybody lived online and found ways to engage like the MySpace days where you would go on Stickam or you would, you'd go to, uh, you'd go to LA and like you'd go to YouTube studios and you'd either be featured on there or you'd be featured on Stickam's front page. And like, that's how you discovered people was all these, these like stages and Stickam's and like these, these resources for people who, were very young and couldn't go to shows or people that didn't have the money or just people that wanted to discover new music. Like it was, it was where everybody's focus was on before the gaming industry blew up. And now it's kind of like these same people or this same idea is taking over where the gaming industry has been thriving. Like you're seeing emo night do emo night TV on Twitch and you're seeing um, lots of people utilizing zoom and like all these different like go live features like stage it is coming back people are doing that again bowling for soup is doing themed performances like tonight i think it's tonight he's doing like bowling for soup's greatest breakup songs like he's doing all those and like it it's funny because a lot of artists have never been a part of this type of thing but like i remember going to south by southwest in 2009 and that was like peak peer volume and all that and it was all about as much content as you could have online. And it's kind of challenging artists on their off time to not be lazy and not like just take time off, but to find ways to consistently engage a fan base or build a new fan base. And I think it's kind of funny that artists like Par Last Night have been chastised so much for doing things like this and covering songs and doing the live stuff that they've done. But they were so ahead and prepared for this moment in time versus bands that are starting to catch up. Like they could go live at any point and have tons and tons of people watching them because they've been doing this and they've been taking advantage of these. And I know like Craig Owens has done a million live things. Um, There's a handful of people, but like, that's the point is there was only a handful of people from this entire music scene that were really taking advantage of this. And now they're all finding what, what works best for them, which site, what time, how they're going to appeal to people, what are they going to do? Like, it's, it's very interesting because I don't think a lot of people even like working in the music scene remember that time period or like thought about the similarities between it. Like that was the peak level of discovering music online. And it was because of things like that. Like I remember I was on the front of Stickam because I was 
flying Jeffree Star in to play my music festival. And I went live with him and then Stickam asked me who I was and I started getting featured anytime I went on so I could promote my stuff to like hundreds of thousands of people. And it was insane. Yeah. And, but like all of that was a thing. Like I had a YouTube channel <clears throat> like eight or nine years ago called play my couch. And I would have artists come over and they would play on my couch and I would post it on the internet and then it was live. And then it was just up there on YouTube recorded. And I think we're going back to that period of time and whoever's the most creative with it is who's going to come out of this with the biggest advantage. Dude, I love that. And it's so well said. And I think that it's kind of funny, right? You know, when, with all this time at home, it kind of forces you to actually look at what you're doing, your activities, your to-do lists, your priorities, and a lot of distractions are taken away, you know, like when nightlife and social things are taken away, it really comes back to like, what's on your list? What are you focusing on? What are you working on? And being forced to look at that, it's a real sink or swim moment because I think everybody, every artist has things that they know they could be doing, that they could be refining and fine tuning and getting better at. So it's like at this time, it's like, are you going to step up? Are you going to confront those things? Are you going to figure it out? Or are you going to kind of roll into that doom and gloom and not do anything? And the more creative you can get, the more you can take those things on I think there's going to be some really cool upsides and advantages once we're back to it. Yeah, it's super interesting, not even just for artists, but for everyone in general. Like, there are so many resources online that are like nine ways to make money online and then 21 best ways to make money during the coronavirus. And like, they're simple things like you're sitting around anyway. Go watch this video, get paid 20 bucks for your input, go take this survey, like, go you know, like monetize this or push these t-shirts that you've had up in a store for two years that no one remembers. Like there's just so many creative ways. It's like you can either sit around and like decide that you're going to play a game on your phone or just sit and stare at the news, which I did for the first few days. I was like, okay, let's see what's going on. And then I realized, you know what, I need to be productive. Like how, what can I do? What, what is my skill set? How can I monetize it? How can I offer my services to people during this time period without taking advantage of them, but helping them. I mean, like right now, the biggest thing that I'm doing is I'm working for this company called Rave Nails and I'm running all of their ads and it's press on nails, which any girl complaining about their nails right now, it's like, go get those. You can put them on within five minutes. Your nails look great. Like it's cool. And I've been doing this ad campaign that's just been crushing it for them and doing like social media marketing and stuff like that. And It's just a matter of adapting. Like normally I would use that to push music and push venues and restaurants and bars and like the world that I live in. But taking what I know and my skill set and adapting it, like anyone can do that. We all have talents and we all are capable of doing things. And I think that's what's going to not only keep us sane during this time, but like pay our bills and like help out like with, with the stress level and just being bored and the potential to just fall into this terrible mental health state of like feeling bad for ourselves and that's what i did like the first week or two like not even two weeks but i think it was like the first week like i was taking midday depression naps because i just felt so overwhelmed i was like man like everything is the world is falling down on me and then i'd wake up like 45 minutes later i'm like i'm gonna fucking kick today's ass like you know what i mean yeah just these weird mood swings but it it keeps you like setting goals and like i have a whiteboard on my fridge now that's like a to-do list of this week at some point i'm gonna get these five things done and like cross them off and just you know i rearrange my living room i clean the whole house i turn my 
music studio into an indoor gym because I'm not going to have people over for recording for a while. And just, you got to, you got to do those things. And whether you're a band, a music fan, someone in the industry, like we all have these talents and things that we could be doing right now. And like, it's amazing how many people are going to come out of this with more revenue streams than they started with. And those revenue streams aren't going to stop. Like you're still going to have your regular job when it goes back to it, but you're still going to, but you're also going to have the things that you taught yourself and decided to do during this time of like being isolated that will continue making you money and you'll be more prepared than ever for if something ever happens again. Yeah, no, dude, I I absolutely love that. And I've been thinking with that. And I think taking that time to be brutally honest with yourself, refocusing your goals, looking at where you can adapt. I, I think there's always something you can do about it, regardless of the situation, if you're willing to look at it and adapt. So I really like how you said that. I saw somebody post on, I think it was Twitter, it said, over the next few weeks, possibly months, you're going to be looking at yourself more in the mirror than you ever have because you're going to be home and you're going to be isolated. Like it was basically talking about people that are home alone and it was talking about mental health. And it was like every day do something for yourself that improves what you see when you're looking in the mirror. And I really liked that because I, I know it's so easy to like convince yourself like, Oh, maybe I'm getting sick or, you know, maybe, maybe I'm useless right now or like whatever brings you down and gets in your head. But like, going in with that mentality of like, you know, we were talking before this, like I haven't, I haven't shaved my head or cleaned my beard up, but maybe today I'm going to do that and like make myself feel better and like look better or like whatever, just the little things that like keep you sane. And like even waking up in the morning, taking a shower and putting on clothes, like wearing pants, just like Mm -hmm. something, something little, but I really liked it. I saw like a lot of people responding to it and talking about like different things that they're doing. And, um, it's just, it's really inspiring to see a lot of people figuring out that like, this doesn't have to be the end of the world for us. This could actually be a chance to really look inside of ourselves and figure out like what we want to change and do it because there's no limitations. We always make these excuses of, well, I really want to do this, but I'm too busy. Or I really want to do this, but everything's just, you know, chaotic or I got to go do this. And like right now we have more time than we've ever had no matter who you are, unless you're in like the health field, then thank you for everything you're doing. Like you have no spare time at all. But I mean, we all have so much time right now and we can look inside of ourselves and find these productive things to do. And I mean, right before we got on this, I was going through 200 and something submissions to be on my unsigned spotlight playlist. And I was adding artists and emailed them and said, Hey, you're on this now, please follow my playlist and share it. And like, just little things that I like wasn't making the time for, like discovering new music. And I think during 30 minutes, I found 25 artists that I really like and put them on that playlist. So there's just a Dude, lot that's of amazing, a lot of cool stuff <laughs> that we could be doing. And I think we're going to be sitting here for a little bit of time and it's a good, it's like never too late to, to change that mentality, you know, like, and sometimes it takes just like walking outside, circling your block, getting that fresh air and like revitalizing yourself and telling yourself like, I'm fucking awesome. I can do anything I want to do, you know? No, for real. Like, I really like that. I'm curious now, as we come to the end of this, what are some goals or like what kind of looking at the more positive side when concerts do come back and you get to 
get back to full rip Mike, what are some of the things, like what are some goals and what are you excited to take on? I think it's just going to be kind of like a hard reset on the music industry. And I think that booking agents, managers, bands, promoters, venues, we're all going to come together to make it work. And that's what I'm most excited about because I think for a while there was a lot of different levels of people taking advantage of other people, whether it was the agent taking advantage of the promoter, the venue taking advantage of the promoter, the promoter taking advantage of the venue, like whatever it is. I think that there was a very like out for yourself type mentality for a while, um, which, which is very common in music. I mean, everyone wants to make the most money possible for their artists or for themselves, whatever it is. But I think there's going to be, um, a lot of unity. And I'm, I'm really hoping for that. And I feel like that's going to be the case. Um, I know that the bigger companies like Live Nation and AEG are shifting up their business models and it's going to be um, very favorable for independent promoters such as myself that can make it through this and can continue booking. So I'm really excited to see what happens there. Um, I think that agents are going to be a lot more reasonable uh, about their asks for a while. I know that bands got to make their money, agents got to make their money, but I think they're realizing that promoters and venues are going to be entering this in a very strapped situation. Like they're going to need to make more money to make up for all the lost time as well. Um, and so I think that there's going to be a lot of unity within the music scene. I think there's going to be a lot more working together. I think there's going to be a lot more creativity when it comes to how we manage the influx of tours, of festivals, um, Unfortunately, I think a lot of festivals are going to go away. I think the oversaturation of festivals might be done for a while. Um, mm. But as a promoter, I'm excited about that because I would love to bring my festival back in 2021 in a place where things aren't oversaturated and I'm not competing with as many people. Um, I think that having a million different options for festivals ultimately hurts festivals that have been going for a long time because when you look at warp tour you look at so what like warp tour was what 25 years so what had been going for over 10 and people get excited about new things even if it's the same bands they get excited about the new festival that pops up and uh, there's not i don't think there's going to be a lot of new festivals popping up so i think there's a lot of room for us guys that have been doing this for a long time to put together something special have the bands and agents work with us to make it affordable and do something really cool for fans. And, and I'm just, I guess I'm excited for a very optimistic view of a music industry that I haven't seen for a while. And I really hope that that's the case that people are wanting to work together and, and, uh, and make it easier for everybody. I think it's kind of the only way that we all survive. You can't really be the hardball agent right now and you can't really be the, the overpriced venue. It's just, it's gotta be, everybody working together and figuring out the solution to this so that bands can tour promoters and venues can make money. Agents can still exist. There's been a lot of layoffs on every side of this. And I think that's really the only way for everybody to succeed. And I'm excited to figure it out. I'm excited for shows to happen again. I'm excited to give people something to look forward to and to have a reason to leave the house. And just, I, I already know that there's certain things that I want to do personally. Like I, I would like to figure out a way that um, doctors, nurses, first responders can either get a discount or free entry to our events for a certain period of time. They've been getting no breaks. I know everyone else during this time, like restaurants, car rental companies, they've all been able to to do things for them and 
we haven't because we haven't been in business. So I would like to do something like that. I think that um, there's just a lot of a lot of cool things that that can come out of this, and a lot of positives that I'm I'm just really excited for that to get here. And I think more than ever, it's going to be the best time to be an independent promoter. I think that it'll be easier for us to survive. I think the days of having to compete with overpriced offers are going to be put on pause for a little bit, and we're gonna we're gonna see like fans wanting to take care of the promoters that took care of them and and not you know not do these branded tours that may make them a little bit more money but care about the the little guys i could be wrong (laughs) this is like i said this is my optimistic view but um that's what i'm most excited for and from what i've seen and the conversations i've had and just a lot of music industry coming together already i think i could be right on this so No, I mean, I really, really love that. And I think that there is so much to be said about like building community and goodwill. And that's why I love hearing this from you, where it's like, you could just be sitting here talking all doom and gloom stuck in it. But the fact even that you stop to think like, damn, that'll be so cool to hook up everybody in the medical industry as soon as we can, all these things, like that's awesome. And I, I really do think that being that your roots are from such a DIY community. Like I think the the real word that I keep coming back to is community. And you're so genuinely excited to build that, that I really do think you'll see a lot of good coming from just that. And I think that's what it's about in every, in everything. Like I think people are going to go out and support bars and restaurants and tip better and spend more money. And they're going to go out to sporting games and record numbers. Like I think there's just a an overall sense of everybody coming together as a community and wanting to just support each other and support. Like I've seen, I've seen so many posts on Facebook that are like, Hey, if you're in the service industry, leave your Venmo. We, we want to help out. And like people just tipping people for nothing just because they can't work. And, um, I just think that's really cool. And, and, you know, I, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of friends and one of them's a nurse and just hearing like, the crazy mental drain and physical exhaustion and and risk that they're, they're going through right now. Like I think it would be an incredible injustice for a lot of people that are able or anyone that's able to do anything for them to not do something. Um, I, I send my friend everything that I get in my email. That's like, if you're a medical professional, this is a free meal today or Crocs gave out free shoes and Hertz yeah. rental cars doing a free month of car rental in New York so people can get to work faster and not have to ride subways. And it's just, it's really cool to see all that stuff. And like, I want to be one of those people that, that gives something back and does what I can, you know? That's awesome, dude. That's so cool. I mean, I think that's a great place to leave it too. Obviously, there is an element of unknown and we don't know fully when this comes back, but you definitely have me a little more re-inspired and kind of challenging myself to think a little more create uh, creatively to use this time. Yeah, I mean, like the way I look at it is I'm 34 years old. I've gone through a ton of ups and downs in the music business and in life in general. And a lot of those ups and downs lasted longer than this is supposed to. Like I've, I've lost so much money on festivals and spent months and months trying to get it back and figure out what I'm going to do. And like, to me, this is like a, like, like we keep calling it a pause. It's like a, a reflection period of like, how can I do my job better? What can I do when this is over to be a better business, to be a smarter business, to help out 
artists, to help out the venues, to do whatever I can. And like, I'm not in a position of, wow, I just lost a ton of money on a festival. I got to figure out what I'm going to do here. I'm in a position of like, okay, everything's paused. It's going to come back. What can I do now to better prepare myself for when it does come back? Like put myself in a better position or, you know, be prepared for the next time something happens like this. How can I make sure my team's taken care of, that my friends are taken care of, the people in the music scene here? And I just, I think we have to look at it that way. Like we have to find the positive in this and it's, it can be hard looking at the news and talking to people, but like there's so much positive and like, I'm, I'm at my house right now. My electricity's on, my lights are on, my air conditioner works. I have a house to live in. I live with my girlfriend. Like there's so many positive things to point out. And like, we forget that sometimes there's, there's so many people that have it worse. And, you know, someone listening to this could be one of those people and they might, they might not see the positive light that that we're talking about, but I promise it's there. And I promise that, you know, everything is going to be really awesome again. And maybe, you know, 2021 is the year that I thought 2020 was, but we're still going to get there. Like a few months of our lives in the grand scheme of things is going to be a flicker. And, you know, it's going to be in the history books and it's going to be a very historic period of time. But even more than that, we're all going to be able to say that we got through it and we came out better. And, you know, our industry and a lot of industries are going to thrive once it's over. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, dude. I feel a whole new (laughs) level of inspired and will absolutely do your proper, where are all my friends, your proper story. But I I felt it important to do something like this right now. And I felt that you would be the perfect person to do it with. Yeah. I was posting on Twitter the other day. I was like, whoever has a podcast or anything, like interview me, let's talk. Cause I want to, I just want to try to get a positive message out right now while it's not necessarily a positive time. I know there's a lot of people that hate that guy that always finds the optimistic view on things, but like it really is like, it's go outside. It's beautiful. Like we're going to be okay. Like uh, it's going to take a little bit, but there's, there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. And I want people to, to hear that and understand it. And if you're in a band, I want you to do as much creative stuff as you can do. And if you're on the industry side, like just figure out anything that you can do with your skill set to, to make some money at this time and to help other people. And I think that, you know, we're all going to be better for it and have a new appreciation on life and live events and everything. Could not have said that better myself. Thank you, dude. It's been a pleasure.